Most of you know, as a church, we exist to help people know Jesus and live for him daily. That's been our mission for a long time. It's our heart for our city. It's what we desire for people to the ends of the earth. It's who we are. And we want everyone to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose again to save us from eternal death, and we want everyone to hear this great message. About four years ago, if you've been with us for a while, you remember that four years ago we built this new building. We built it to glorify Jesus in our community and to make more room for people to believe in Jesus as their Savior. And God's been doing some amazing things in each of us during these four years. Some of you, in fact, let's, let's just show of hands, how many of you uh, ever went to the old building? Okay, so, all right. Oh, several of you, okay? The rest of you are new. Some of you remember the old building that we used to just, little tiny thing that we used to cram into, and uh, we would just be there together, and it was kind of fun and kind of not at the same time. But we'd be there week after week. Some of you, all you know is this building. You, you know the new Cheney Faith Center and this new toolbox. Well, something interesting has been transpiring. For the past year, we've been filling this new building. And I have to honestly say that when we moved from the little building to the middle school and to here, this was such an enormous uh, expanse for us compared to the little one. I thought, oh, it'd take decades to fill this one. And here we sit. Two services, full or overflowing uh, every Sunday, and it's just an awesome testimony to what God is doing. We call it here on staff our happy problem. Now, I have a table up here with me this morning to help us understand our happy problem. I want you to think about our church, this building, our family, like this table. Now you'll notice this table is a certain size, but this table is also full. It has all the chairs around it. We can't really put any more around it. It's full. The real challenge with the problem, and our happy problem, I should say, with this table is that we want to bring more people to this table. It's not enough for it to just be full. It needs to get bigger. We need to make room at this table for our friends and our family members and people we meet in our community that need Jesus. People that walk through the door that we don't know, that just come because the Holy Spirit is inspiring them to meet Christ. And because our table is full, we don't have room for that. The only way for this to happen is to make more room. Therefore, starting on Sunday, March 3rd, we're going to add a third service on Sunday morning. All right? Can we give... So I'm super excited. Let me tell you our times. Our times are going to be 8 a.m., not for you. <laughs> right, you're 10.30 people. We know that. 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. Okay? 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. Now... What we're going to do is between now and mid-June, we're going to find out if these services work. Because 
as a staff, we, we thought long and hard about these three times. And we talked to some really smart people about these times. And we, we researched these times. And we prayed about these times. And we're hoping that these three service times will work best for our church and the people in our city that we want to bring to the table. But we're not 100% sure. So let's do an experiment together. Let's take now till mid-June when we go back to two services for the summer. Let's take this time to figure out how it's going to shake out. Because you're going to get a choice between three services and you're going to learn to make a routine for yourself on Sunday morning. And, and so we're going to discover that together. I'm also excited about making room for more. And I hope that you'll join us in making room for more. Because I want to see what God can do in us and through us as we open our lives and our hearts and our minds and our doors and our seats for people to believe in Jesus. So join us on March 3rd as we go to three services, 8, 9.30, and 11. That's the big announcement. Aren't you glad the big announcement is, thank you? Yeah, and we can thank the Lord for that. It's all his work, amen? Yeah. Aren't you glad that the big announcement is not they replace the Rams with the 49ers for today's game? Now, you may have all kinds of questions as we're heading or as you're hearing this announcement for the first time. Questions like, how will this affect me? What service time will be best for me? How's this going to fit into my kid's morning nap? Or my morning nap. <laughs> Which service will be best in the fall for me to see the start of the Seahawks game? But I know one of the questions you probably have is how in the world is Pastor Mark going to shorten his message? <laughs> I know that that is true, but here's what I'm, I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for miracles while we're here. <laughs> Not just my message, but I hope people get saved. I hope people get healed. I hope people get broken strongholds and are set free. And I hope that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit falls on us in such a powerful way that people can't stay out of church anymore. Amen? That's what I hope. That's my prayer. Now, all these questions are legitimate and realistic. In fact, some of you serve on Sunday morning in a Sunday morning capacity on a ministry team somewhere. I want you to know that this week, a staff member or your ministry leader will be contacting you via email. So please watch your inbox this week and look for that email and jump into the process and the communication of how we'll be serving a little bit differently for three services. Now, I also want to encourage you to ask some additional questions, like, who can I bring to church now that there's more room? Where can I serve so new people feel welcome and loved and valued? What could I sacrifice to fulfill our mission to help people know Jesus? How could I use my gifts and my talents to bring others to Christ? Could you ask some of those questions too as we head to three services and we find more and even better ways to fulfill our mission? Now let me spend the rest of our time this morning talking about why. 
I've learned that whenever I'm going to change anything in my life or in our church or maybe something gets changed at work or at the gym or wherever you do your hobby stuff, if something gets changed, we always want to know why, don't we? Why is this change taking place? I'd like us to talk about that this morning because I often think why, and I'm sure you do too. At the beginning of the year, I thought, why should I do a diet? I answered that question fairly quickly. Why should I be kind to my neighbor? Why should I vote for that politician? With our faith, we ask all kinds of questions, like, why should I read my Bible? Why should I raise my hands and surrender to the Holy Spirit during worship? Why should I go up for prayer when they ask after that sermon? Why should I serve at church? Why should I write my thoughts down about God and about his word when I'm in my quiet time? Why should I get connected in a life, in a life team? We have lots of why questions. But let me add some this morning and talk about why we want to add a third service. The realistic answer is because we are full. You can look around the room and you can see that we're pretty full. There's a good little patch right here. But if you, for instance, went outside of your box and sacrificed a little, and let's say you, you brought a coworker to church or you brought a family next door. And so you've got your family of four or five and they've got their family of four or five. Let me ask you a question as you come in the door right now. Where are you going to sit with that family you brought? Thankfully, this morning, you guys sat in the front row. Most people don't sit in the front row. So a lot of times at most churches, the only place available for you and your new neighbor who's coming to church for the first time is the front row, the splash zone. <laughs> and you're thinking, we're going to go sit right up front? Like nobody wants to sit up front for their first time anywhere unless it's a baseball game, right? Like you want to sit in the front row then, but I got to sit right by the pastor? Oh man, I'm not sure I want to come back. Even though he's cool, he's still a pastor. He can't be that cool. That's why they have to come back because they'll discover some pastors are really cool. And I'm one of two somewhere. We're all cool. Now, here's what's interesting. Let me talk to you just for a minute about the psyche of the American brain. As Americans, we love space, especially in the Northwest. We took a vacation uh, a couple summers ago, and we went back to Nashville, and we're in that area, eastern United States, Florida, Georgia, Nashville. And um, I noticed that on the East Coast, they are not too concerned about space. They put their houses really close together. Everything's bunched up. But out here in the Northwest, we want five-acre plots, don't we? It's true. That's our psyche. It's how we are. And in the United States, as you look at the expansion West, we all want space. We want land. We want our own thing. And here's what's interesting. As Americans, we have that in our mind that we want space. We actually like to sit somewhere with nobody next to us. We don't mind if they're in one chair over, but like the rest of the world's pretty crowded, we don't want you sitting right next to me and touching me. It's just an American psychological thing. It's who we are. 
It's how we live. So when you walk in a room and you see that it's at 80% capacity, we psychologically say to ourselves, the room is full. It's not completely full yet, but psychologically, because we like our space, we think the room is full. And when something looks full, it says, there's no space for me. So when you bring your friend to church or a visitor comes to church and both services are full and they come in the door a couple minutes late and there's, I mean, if you look in the room, where's the family of four going to sit? There's a spot there and there and there and that's it. And so what it looks like is there might not be room for me at this church. Do we want to portray that as a church? No, we sure don't. And so it's very important for us to recognize that 80% full is full in our minds. Therefore, we need to make room. And that means you and I will have to sacrifice and change. So that's the realistic part of why we're going to third services. But it's not the most important reason we're going to three services. The most important reason we're going to three services is because Jesus tells us to. The most important reason to have three services is because we can never lose sight of the mission of our Savior. And the mission of our Savior and our King and our Lord and our best friend is to go. Is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything Christ has commanded. That's our mission. As followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, that's our life. And we can't lose sight of the mission. And therefore, because there's not room here to make disciples now, we must go to three services. And if we fill three services, and I shouldn't say we, if the Lord fills three services, we'll do something else to make room. Amen? Because we want to grow. We want to expand. We want to see lots of people come to believe in Jesus Christ. Because I know, like me, that you have friends and family members and coworkers and people you see all over Cheney. And you want them to know Jesus and live for him daily. And we must make room for them. Would you open your Bible with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? I want to show us a couple of verses this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that I think are very uh, poignant for what we're doing as a church, where we're heading as a church, and what God is doing in and through us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul talks about some of the goals and the passion that needs to be in the church of Jesus Christ, and it was in the first century church, and it's still alive in our churches today. And it's all because of what Jesus has done, but I want to start in verse 17, and read a couple verses, and then we're going to go back to uh, verse 14 in a minute. But look at verse 17 through 20 with me, and look at what the Apostle Paul says about the church. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now here's what we discover from these verses that are very, very important. And that is that the church, and by the church I mean you and me, individually and corporately and the global church, we have a ministry and we have a message. And the Apostle Paul says this ministry and this message is extremely important today. Now the great part is Jesus already did his part to reconcile mankind to God the Father. Jesus already went to the cross. He died on the cross for you and for me and for the entire world. He's already done the work of reconciliation. That's why on the cross, Jesus says, said what? It is finished. It's done. It's over. The work of reconciliation, Jesus Christ has already done for every single one of us and for every single person in the world. That work is done. But you and I have to choose to live in that work. We have to choose to believe that reconciliation. We have to choose to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe that I'm a sinner, that I need to confess my sin to him, that I need to stop living that way, and that I need to become a new creation. I'm going to become an old person. The old is going to go away, and the new is going to come, and I'm going to start living for Christ. That's the message and the ministry of reconciliation. And now that Jesus has gone back to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, you and I are now responsible for the proclamation of this message of reconciliation, and we are now responsible to be the ministers of reconciliation. This is our job. Now, what does that mean for you and I? That means that you have a ministry. And so my question is, what part do you play in the ministry? Do you know what your ministry is so that you can fulfill it? Do you know where you can serve so you can get to it? See, there is something Jesus wants you to do to help the message of reconciliation go forth in the earth. This is your ministry. And sometimes your ministry is inside the church. Sometimes your ministry is outside the church. It doesn't matter. In fact, most of our ministry should probably be outside the church where the people who need to get saved are living and where we're living. Because we don't live here, do we? We just meet here. But we live out there. So our ministry is mostly outside the church building. But inside the church, we do all kinds of things. There's greeters at the door. There's ushers. There's people teaching in faith kids right now. There's life teams that are happening and life team leaders. There's help that happens to a neighbor. Maybe you come during the week and help in the office sometime. There's prayer that needs to be taking place every single day for our city and to the ends of the earth. Some of you might even feel a call to be a pastor or a missionary. Go above and beyond and make that 
full time. There are hundreds of ways that we can minister in our city and spread this message of reconciliation. Now, these verses also say that you and I are ambassadors, that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That means an ambassador is somebody that represents their home. So if you were an ambassador for the United States and you lived in Argentina, even though you lived in Argentina, you're still an American citizen, but you represent the values and the life of an, the American people in Argentina. When the Bible calls you and I ambassadors for Jesus Christ, what the word is saying is, this is not our home, amen? Yes. Heaven is our home. Heaven's our home. It's our future. It's our eternity. We're just ambassadors here. And while we are here, it is our role, it is our responsibility to represent our king, to represent our home. That's why Jesus said to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are ambassadors on this planet. In 1 Peter, Peter said that we are strangers. We're aliens just passing through. Look around you for a minute. Look into somebody else's eye. Just for a minute, look around the room. I'm seeing UFOs all over the place. Now, Paul also said that God is making his appeal through us. That as the followers of Jesus Christ, God, you and I partner with God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We partner with God in this ministry and message of reconciliation. And get this, here's what the word says. God makes his appeal to mankind, to those who don't know him, through you. In other words, you are the evidence in the courtroom that God is alive, that God is real, that salvation is for all mankind. The appeal is through you. You are the evidence. A life changed, a life lived for Christ, a life that's saying no to sin and yes to righteousness, a life that is saying no to narcissism and yes to the following God's word, a life that is saying no to the American dream and yes to Jesus' dream. God is making an appeal to the world through the believers in Jesus Christ that need to know him. That's our role in the world. We're ambassadors, and God's making his appeal through us. So we need to go to three services because Jesus wants us to. Another why is because we love the world like God does. We love the world like God does. The verse we just read said we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. Before you met Jesus, you probably looked at the world different than you do now. Now that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, the new you sees the world different than it did before. The new you sees people differently than it did before. The old you would look at that coworker and go, man, that person is just annoying. I am not going in the lunchroom if that person is there. 
I won't eat next to them. I don't want my cubicle next to them. I don't want to do anything by that coworker. That's the old you. The new you looks at that coworker and says, that person needs Jesus. I remember when I was like that coworker. That was me. I was the annoying one. But I, I need to be a friend to that person. I see the hurt that that person is going through and the challenges that they have in their life. And I need to reach out in love and in grace and in truth and share Jesus with them and just be kind. The new me does that. The old me wouldn't do that. The new me would just walk by people, brush them aside. The new me gets involved in the world and loves people that need to be loved. Shows grace where grace needs to be given and brings joy into all situations, and finds ways to make peace in every relationship. That's the new me. The new me loves the world like God does. Would you repeat a verse with me that we all know? It's John 3.16. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that our flag verse? That's the verse we wave at football games. It's the verse we talk about when we're talking to a new, new believer or pre-Christian. This is our verse. Why? Because it tells us how God feels about us. That God loves us. That he doesn't hate us. He doesn't judge us. He doesn't want to hurt us. He loves us. And what's interesting about this love is this love was sacrificial. It was willing to change his life. God was willing to sacrifice his son. God was willing to change everything in his life that was going good to send his son down here to a bad place so we could kill him on a cross. That's what God did. He sacrificed and he changed for us. And I say we should be like God too. And we should put some sacrifice and some change into our life so that others can come to believe in him. Amen? Now I've discovered when you love something, you will sacrifice for it. You will change for it. You'll make a sacrifice for things that you really like and for things that you love. For instance, um, I, I really like sleep. I'm not a morning person because I like sleep. But when it is fishing season, I will wake up early. It is just something I will do. I will make a sacrifice for a large bass. Because in the morning, early, is when they want breakfast. And it's when they will more often eat my lure. Now, I always set them free. So just so you know, I'm all about setting things free. And I set my fish free too, but I do not kiss them. Some people kiss their fish. I think it's disgusting. That sacrifice I will not do. Here's what's interesting. We'll sacrifice for things we love, won't we? We will. We'll sacrifice for our hobbies. We'll sacrifice for things that we love. And let me ask a question. Do you love Jesus? Then we'll sacrifice for him. Amen? We'll change some things. We'll move some things around in the church. We'll do different things. 
We'll, we'll change everything in our ministry if we have to, to see people come to know Jesus, amen? That's what we have to do. We'll sacrifice whatever it takes to see some come to believe in Jesus Christ because Jesus did that for us. We'll fight through the awkwardness to talk to a friend about Jesus. We'll make that sacrifice. We'll sacrifice our time and our finances because we love the people in our city and we love other people groups. We love people to the ends of the earth and we want them to know who Jesus is. We will even sacrifice our Sunday morning and our routine on Sunday morning to make room for more to believe in Jesus. When you love someone, you will change. I want you to think for a minute uh, about that someone that you love or that you loved maybe in the past. Kate and I have been married for almost 24 years. It's going to be 24 in May. And I've loved her since junior high. So I loved her even before we were married. And I remember, and it still happens today, but I can remember early on that there were things I changed a lot because I wanted Kate to be around. So like when Kate said, could you chew with your mouth closed? <laughs> I chewed with my mouth closed. She still does that sometimes. I have a habit of eating chips loudly. Still bugs her. I remember hearing I know you live with a bunch of guys, and this is your bachelor pad, but could you clean your bathroom a little more often? Because I have to go to the bathroom when I come over here, and could you tell the other guys to stop leaving their underwear in the family room? Yes, we will do that, because we want pretty girls around our apartment. Maybe you've gotten this one. Your driving makes me nervous. Could you change that? How about this one? Ladies, have you ever gotten this one? I like your bacon, but I don't like it burnt. Could you cook it a little less? And you change that because you loved him. We're going to change some things around here because we love Jesus and because we love the people in our city and because we want them to know Jesus. I've also noticed that there's always sacrifice and change when you grow. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I remember when I was a teenager, I grew so fast. Uh, I, I couldn't stay in pants for more than a week. It was just crazy, right? I always had cramps growing pains. I mean, I'd wake up in the middle of the night with these just monstrous knots in my calf and reach down to try to grab my toe and stretch it out. When I was growing, there were problems. There were challenges. But here's what was interesting. As I grew, uh, one of the challenges was I, I couldn't stay in clothes. They wouldn't fit anymore. They weren't long enough. And back then, sometimes it was hard to even find ones that were long enough. Like when we, remember in the 80s and the early 90s, we had shrink-to-fit jeans? Are you old enough to remember those? 
I had to get the longest ones at the store. And some of you are even taller than me. I don't know how you ever fit and shrink to fit because they shrunk like four inches. So I'd have to get the 40 length to get a 36 length what it shrunk. And I had to get, you know, like a 34 waist to get the 28 waist that I was. Yes, that's true. At one point, I had a 28 waist. Can you believe that? I could turn sideways and be invisible. <laughs> it's true. One of my coaches used to say to me, Mark, do you have to run around in the shower to get wet? <laughs> he was right. I did. But when you're growing, some things don't fit anymore, but you get new clothes. Can I tell you, two services doesn't fit anymore. So we're going to have to add a service to allow some more people to fit. Also, when you're growing, that means that there's opportunities for God to work in your life. When you're growing, it's an opportunity for God to speak some things to you, to say some things to you, to shake you up in your life a little bit, and to, to do something different in you that maybe you were never willing to understand or believe or accept before, but because there's some growth and some change and some sacrifice that's happening, maybe some tough times, God's shaking some things up, it's going to allow us to hear from him better, to live in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a more honed-in way. And so I am excited to go to three services because I hope that it will bring some change for us as a church in a good way. But I also believe that for each and every one of us, there's some change that needs to come your direction. Because maybe God's been speaking to you about serving somewhere and you just keep saying, nah, those ministries look full. Guess what? They're not full anymore. We need a whole bunch of new bodies to do a third service. And so some of you are going to have to step up to the plate and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and you're going to say what? Yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. When we are receptive to growth and change, it always allows us to love and accept the new people that will come into our lives and sit at this table and sit next to our Savior and be set free. And so would you help make room for people to come to the table? Lastly, our last why is because we want more people to know Jesus and live for him daily. One of the biggest reasons to go to three services is to fulfill our mission to help people know Jesus and live for him daily. Now, right now, our ushers are going to come and give you a little white piece of paper. Go ahead and take that and hold it for just a minute. We're going to use it in about five minutes. One of the biggest reasons to go to three services is to fulfill our mission. Our mission to help people know Jesus and live for him daily. We want to expand and reach as many people as possible. And our mission is not done until everyone believes and I don't know if you've noticed, but if you notice, we're not short of clientele. Some businesses struggle with clientele. We're not short of clientele. 
There's about 6 billion people that need Jesus. That's a lot. So we're not short of clientele. We're not short of business. We're just short of workers to go out into the harvest field. And I'm hoping that you'll choose to be one of those workers. Now let me uh, close by talking about something that is near and dear to my heart as we go to three services. There's two primary ways that a church can grow. Transfer growth and conversion growth. Let me talk about the two just for a minute. Transfer growth is when somebody who's already a believer in Jesus Christ uh, leaves the church that they're attending to attend another one. Now, that's not for a bad reason. It just happens. Now, sometimes it's for a challenging reason, but most of the time, maybe you move from one city to another and you've got to find a new church. Uh, we're assuming that when Amazon opens, this area of Eastern Washington is going to grow some. So we might see an influx or an increase in our city in, pop in popularity and also in population increase. So we may see some transfer growth as people move into town from other cities and they're looking for a church and they end up at Cheney Faith Center. We are going to welcome that. That's transfer growth. The second is conversion growth. That's where people who never knew Jesus Christ as their Savior come to believe in Him for the first time. They change their life. They convert their life from hell to heaven. They leave their life and they choose to live for Jesus Christ. That's conversion growth. During the summer, I walked around our city seven times. I walked around the perimeter of our city seven times this past summer in 2018. And my heart and my prayer was this, Lord, would you help our church grow through conversion growth? And so my heart and my prayer, and I'm going to ask it to be your heart and your prayer, that this next service would be mostly full of people that we are bringing to the table that don't know Jesus. That you and I are bringing them to the table. We're bringing them to Jesus Christ. We are being the ambassador. We are being the one that reaches out and brings them to church. Because here's the reality. Somebody brought you to this seat. Somebody reached out to you. Somebody reached out to me and said, Mark, come to the table. Come and be set free by Jesus. Come and understand what it means to live life to its fullest. Somebody brought me to a seat and sat me at the table with some other believers right next to my Savior and taught me what it means to be free. And I'm going to ask you and me too to bring people to the table and that this next service would be full of people, pre-Christians, that need to be at the table. Now, I'd like us to end our service this morning by giving us all an opportunity to believe 
for conversion growth, to believe for our families and our friends and our neighbors and people that we know in Cheney, to believe for their salvation, to believe that they will come to know Christ and live for him daily. And here's how we're going to do this. You have a white piece of paper in your hand. There are pens in the pockets in front of you. And I'm going to ask you to write the names of people on this piece of paper that you want to see come to believe in Jesus Christ for the first time. We're going to watch a short video called Come to the Table. While this video is playing, I'm going to ask you to write your names down. Write your names down and write as many as you want. And any time during this video, I'm going to ask you to come and place them at the table. This is our step of faith as a church and as individuals for people that we know need Jesus Christ. And they need to have more room in our church to come to the table of salvation and to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's respond. When Kate and I came here almost 14 years ago now, sometimes you just kind of wonder, like, what does God want to do? And you just show up somewhere and start being a minister and a message of reconciliation, and you just watch what he does. And I just want to acknowledge publicly that this is what God has done. This isn't what Kate and I have done. It's what Jesus has done. It's what the Holy Spirit has done in us and in you. We've become a representation and a good one of Jesus Christ in our city. And I'm excited about just even more, being an even bigger representation. We were talking about this as pastors at our pastor's prayer group. There's probably about, in the city proper, there's probably about Five to 700 people that go to church on a Sunday morning. And that means that there's, when you include Eastern, that's probably about 15,000 people that aren't going to church and have no representation of faith in Jesus Christ. That means there's a lot of work to be done, amen? And we're going to do it, and other churches are going to do it, and church plants are going to come in, and they're going to do it, and all over it's going to happen at Eastern and in our city and on the West Plains and to the ends of the earth. People need Jesus. And we get to partner with God to be a part of that. What an amazing miracle. And so I'm just thrilled to be on this journey together with you. And Kate and I are super excited to just get to do this together. And to also just, this is us, right? This is our family. And we get to do this together with God. And nothing could be more important. These names, this service and first service, are extremely important. Now, they're important to you. You wrote them down on a piece of paper. They're important to you. God left heaven, and he died on the cross for these people. And we're going to make room for them, amen? And we're going to sacrifice for them, and we're going to change for them to believe in Jesus. So would you pray with Pastor Kate, and, uh, and then we'll call it a day. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. Thank you for the cross. 
And Lord, each of us are here because someone made room at the table for us. Someone took us by the hand and brought us to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to have a heart for others who need, who need you, Jesus. I pray that you would open our eyes to see those who need an invitation and those who need to be brought to the table. I pray that we, our hearts would be tendered and sensitive to the leading of your spirit. We thank you for the good work that you are doing. Lord, you are the rock upon which this church is built, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We thank you, Jesus, that it's your name that is being lifted up, and we want to get even better at lifting high the name of Jesus because mm -hmm. your word promises us that when Jesus' name is lifted up, that you draw people to yourself. Yes. So may we become those ministers of reconciliation that Mark was talking about, those people who will get out of our comfort zones, who will risk being misunderstood, who will do things that your spirit is leading us to do that maybe don't make sense or that other people would say are crazy. May we hear your spirit loud and clear, not only hear, but may we obey. May we take steps that you would have us to take, Lord. And that means that we're going to have to get um, out of the way and that you're going to have to be bigger and we're going to have to um, get smaller. And we want to surrender our lives to you, Jesus, and say that this is all about you and that we want to cooperate with what you're doing in this community. Lord, thank you for the privilege of doing this together with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We are humbled, Lord, and we are grateful, and we are ready. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, March 3rd, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. We'll see you there. And remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week. Go Rams. <laughs>